Hello, everybody. My name is Stephen D. Kelly. This is the Stephen D. Kelly Show. We are Truth Cat Radio, www.truthcatradio.com. Thank you and welcome. I'm sorry for the delay. Uh, that's part of the business when you do what we do. <laughs> it's now actually 6.15 p.m. It's January 18th. The title of the show is, and this actually came to me in my sleep. I figured there was no way I was going to forget it, but it was... Uh, what was it? Mossad lies and Chabad denial. Okay. Now I know anytime, you, let me tell you, the tunnel, I don't want to call them tunnel Jews because that sounds so racist, but these Chabad guys over there, especially over there, are Lubavitchers. Yeah, I see you guys all tuning in right now. Uh, they're really sensitive. And the reason, the main thing I wanted to do tonight was talk about how kind of they're getting really freaking out over the, some of the stories that have come out with these things they do on Twitter where they have a reader, what is it, comments, little thing they put on there, reader comment, reader whatever. And it kind of, and lately I've been noticing that we've been getting a lot of that directly from Chabad Lubavitch in their headquarters saying, no, this isn't true, this isn't true. And it was kind of funny. Uh, we are going to get in some pretty heavy geopolitics that nobody's talking about that I've been wanting to talk about all week. And I realized if I just waited till the show, I could, I, this would work. And it's, it's a, probably a good idea because it's developing it's a developing thing <clears throat> it's one of those things where a lot of people go why should i care about this all right so i'm going to try to explain that to you but before i get started i want to give a shout out to the guys over there at uh, the isaac cappy page and uh the other guy dr keck and the other guy oh, i'm sorry i don't rec- remember your name but three the three out the guys that put together the spaces on x we we had a six and a half hour six and a, well it was six hours and 19 minutes you know come on six six and a half hours for me it felt like but uh it was a marathon we had i don't know right now right there's been at least seventeen thousand people that have viewed this thing and we had quite a few people listening to it live which was significant because i was pretty impressed just seeing it on the front page of twitter like that but a lot of people enjoyed it. We covered a lot of material, and if you get an opportunity, you haven't joined me on Twitter, you need to look at that. But the, like I said, the main thing is a shout-out to those guys. So the reason, one of the reasons why I mentioned them is because their show you know, that we put out, one of the things that was discussed during that show, remember, this is a six-and-a-half-hour show, and a couple minutes was devoted to the tunnels under the Brooklyn synagogue. Now... Again, that was not the gist of the story, but a lot of people would try to turn everything into Jew bashing, et cetera, et cetera. We even had some Zionist guy call up the show, call in and just, you know, go on a Hasbara uh, <clears throat> troll thing. No big deal. Otherwise, for the most part, everybody enjoyed the material and it was a big eye opener for a lot of people. And I really look forward to you doing that again real soon for you guys. But either way, I've noticed that these guys have really stuck their neck out trying to defend this stuff. And, you know, it was like, for instance, when you're talking about the thing that happened in Brooklyn, almost the first thing they pulled out when they exposed these tunnels was mattresses that appeared to have telltale blood stains and telltale patterns and telltale spots on the mattress, you know, dingy, nasty, dirty mattresses in a very dingy, nasty, dirty environment. Now, you know, you don't have to be, well, I guess if you're a virgin, you don't know anything, maybe you, you wouldn't know what this was. But 
the Chabad was trying to say there was no evidence of any kind of human trafficking or sexual abuse, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking evidence, evidence. Who says there was no evidence? To me, that bloody mattress reeks of evidence, you know, DNA, little things like that, you know. But it wasn't just dirty mattresses. It was baby paraphernalia, strollers, wipes, this kind of thing, you know, pee pads, kind of stuff you might have if you had children that were scared and peeing all over the place, that kind of thing. That's what they had. Now, I don't know call me crazy but to me that looks like evidence it's almost like reminds me of this whole west society that we live in you know the so-called collective west they have this thing they call the rules based order what rules who's who based you know who who makes these rules yeah the same people that decide what is evidence and what is not evidence what we should be concerned about so like michael flynn the trader says yes it's all about the war of the narrative. So the narrative is incredibly important, and you guys, the Occupy the Getty mission is the only narrative. But tonight, like I said, we're going to talk about some geopolitics. But like I said, over there on Twitter, what really got my attention was the outpouring of uh, complaining about stuff. Like, for instance, a big event took place here. Iran fired a bunch of missiles off just the other day. We're gonna, that's going to be the gist of what we're going to be talking about tonight. But the way that story has been covered in the Western media and the way it's being portrayed and the way they're going doing damage control and everything, it really should be an eye-opener and an opportunity to learn quite a bit. So, now bear in mind, this is the first time this has happened in like forever. Iran has never done this. They have not fired off ballistic missiles like this ever. And I'll just say that these things went, what is it? They went uh, 1,200 kilometers. Okay, so let's talk about these targets. One of them was in Idlib in Syria. One was in Erbil in Iraq. And then there was another one that nobody talks about. And that was in Panjigur, Baluchistan, Pakistan. People say Pakistan, but it's actually Baluchistan. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Baluchistan because the Western media isn't saying anything. What the heck is Iran doing attacking Pakistan? What the heck are they doing attacking Syria? What the heck are they doing attacking Iraq? It's very, you know, on the surface, it looks like some sort of Sunni, <clears throat> Sunni Shia conflict, but it's not. What they're not saying is that all of these are attacks on CIA slash Mossad facilities. So there's your Mossad lies. Chabad, Chabad's doing the denial. This didn't happen and the Mossad's lying. Well, let's, the grander picture is this. Russia, who is winning the war in Ukraine, has basically put out a new policy where they will target all mercenaries and all CIA personnel and all intelligence gathering centers, control centers, command centers. So what we're talking about here are command centers. Now this is happening quite a bit, of course, in Ukraine. NATO command centers are being taken out and people are, people are not talking about. It. Some even say that Austin, Lloyd Austin, the commander of our, our head of the Pentagon over here in the USA, 
who's supposedly in hospital for what was it uh his his prostate that's what they say they say he had prostate cancer there's a rumor that he was actually injured in ukraine in one of these attacks which is very possible because this sort of thing happens russia is pulling out the stops if they can catch high-ranking nato eu personnel they will unless of course they ask for permission like when they go and visit Zelensky to get a little puff of his uh perfume <clears throat> But anyway, so what are they attacking? Now, Idlib, of course, is a concentration of ISIS. It's the one last area, metropolitan area, that Syria has allowed the al-Nusra and the so-called moderate rebels to congregate in. So what did they do? They bombed command centers of al-Nusra, the CIA sponsored well essentially isis basically they bombed isis headquarters now remember we're supposed to be in these countries fighting isis actually we're stealing oil we're selling it to israel which brings us back to the other target erbil which is also in the north idlib of course is in territory that is controlled by the enemy it's controlled by forces that are anti-syria and also anti-Turkey. Now the areas of Erbil are also considered Kurdish territory and they are somewhat autonomous. They are areas that are occupied by the U.S. military that tried to set up Kurdish homelands, sowing dissension of course. Well, what are they doing up there? They're stealing oil. Same thing as they're doing in northern Syria. They're doing in northern Iraq. They're stealing this oil. And, of course, they're selling it to Israel. Now, the guy in Erbil, the target in Erbil, let's see. What do do we have? We've got some pretty good targets. But let's first talk about the uh, Kurdistan. Now, Iran, of course, is saying that this was a Mossad spy headquarters. And, of course, <laughs> the Western media is telling you that it was just a, just a, friendly, a friendly billionaire, a friendly oil tycoon, a, a, a Kurd, you know, a guy with a wife and two children, little baby. See, there's a picture of him holding up the baby on his, his estate. You should see this mansion. It was like, uh, well, let's just say it looked like a big mansion with your obligatory tennis courts and such and surrounded by orchards now i'm also told that both of these locations were hardened had i won't say bunkers but let's just say extremely fortified concrete areas where these activities were taking place now just to put everything into perspective there was an attack in iran we talked about this last week on the anniversary, I believe the third anniversary of the assassination of General Soleimani. And this attack was basically a <clears throat> bombing, human, whatever you want to call those guys, suicide bombing. And this was taken credit by ISIS. Now, bear in mind that ISIS is us. We are ISIS. ISIS is Mossad. ISIS is Israeli intelligence. ISIS is CIA. ISIS is NSA. It's our guys. It's like... Al-Qaeda, we made all that. So we use these forces to sow disunity. 
usually between Sunnis and Shias. And of course, Mossad is extremely involved in that. Well, this guy, this guy, this Mossad guy, he had basically organized this attack in in Iran at this at this funeral observation, this uh, very important commemoration of an assassination. This was basically orchestrated from this location. Now, now this is really important because both of these locations are basically what you would describe as civilian targets. This was a home allegedly belonging to a civilian family, but it had Mossad in it. Now, remember, Mossad, they're, they're, what do they do? They make war by deception. Mossad lies. It's in their motto. So you know anything they say is a lie. And if they set up a headquarters and there's little babies in the headquarters, these are people that eat babies. What do they care? We know what ISIS does. They cut heads off. Now, the target that no one really talks about, well, let's talk about the... uh, I don't really want to talk about these the thing going on in Syria because that's uh, El Nusra is pretty complicated, and I don't want to give too much credit to these these uh, Islamic parties, these various different parties. But I guess the big thing that you should remember about the attack on Syria is it traveled at least twelve hundred thirty kilometers, which is plenty of plenty of distance to hit Tel Aviv or say, targets in the Mediterranean very close to Israel, you know, big boats. Anyway, they only fired off like three missiles each at these targets to completely decimate these targets. Now remember, civilian targets. Now let's talk about the target over in Afghanistan. What was that all about? All right, first of all, not Afghanistan, but Pakistan. Now bear in mind, Pakistan is made up of provinces just like Iran is, and there are areas, the area that basically the general area that where Iran meets Pakistan is also considered Baluchistan, which also includes portions of Afghanistan. So there are people there that call themselves the Bulaks, whatever, and they feel this is their homeland. Of course, this area has been through all sorts of colonization efforts, you know, kind of like India and everything went through. I'll just say that this particular area of the world, it's extremely desolate. It's like a moonscape. It seems like you're in some of the most ancient places in the world because there are actually formations that look like pyramids and sphinxes and statues. It's very strange. If ever there was a civilization in earlier epochs, you'd think that would be a perfect location for it. It's so strange. So there are political issues in this area that are significant. Now, now of course, how does this affect Iran? How does it affect Pakistan? Basically, these guys have the same enemy, which is the separatist insurgents, the people of this geographical area that feel that they're not part of Pakistan or Iran or Afghanistan, but they should have their own country. Now, of course, the CIA is very good at coming into areas like this, sowing dissension, 
feeding money to people such as, uh, you know, Al-Nusra and, and, and ISIS and various freedom fighters types. And they use this, of course, to break up countries, sow dissension and chaos. Now, why this particular part of the world? Why is this particular part of the world so important? Well, I've been trying to say for years. We'll get into the attacks, you know, in a little bit. But I've been trying to tell you guys for years that the reason why this part of the world is so damn important is because China built a road, a highway, all the way from Xinjiang, whatever it is, province, that that westernmost province, you know, the one with the Uyghurs and all that. The very western edge, they built a road up through those mountains. Those crazy snowy mountains into Kashmir. And from there, it goes down into Pakistan, all the way down to the Gulf of Oman, the Arabian Sea, to the Gulf, to the coast, to a, not anywhere on the coast, but specifically to a port pretty far west of Karachi called Gwadar, G-W-A-D-A-R, which is almost right next to the border of Iran. You know, the border that doesn't include Baluchistan. And it's right across the border from Oman, United Arab Emirates, Gutter, all those nice places. The Chinese went and built a port there, a, not just any kind of port, but a super port, a deep water port. They spent $6 billion, not just building this highway, but at the end of the highway where it meets the water in Gwadar, they built a port. They didn't just build a port. They built a city. They went Sim City. Do you like to play games? I know I, I do. I like to play games. And some of the games I like to play are City Skylines or Sim City. And you got you get a bunch of land. You lay down roads. And you try to make a super city with all the best of everything. That's what the Chinese did down there in Guadalajara. I swear when I look at it, there's nothing there right now. It's just roads and crazy desolate dirt. But it's laid out. Looks like it'd be a kind of like a new Orange County, fun place to live right on the water. You know, that's really beautiful water right there on the Arabian Sea. Well, who'd they build that for? They built that for Chinese. So basically, what does that mean? That means that if this freeway, this highway that they built through that territory goes into full operation and the Chinese are able to completely well, let's just say colonize that part of the world because that's basically what they planned on doing, then that would mean communist China would have a major, major seaport on the Arabian Sea right next to, you know, the Persian Gulf. Right next to the Strait of Hormuz. Right there. Right there. And what would that do? Well, it's a strategic place to have a big, huge, giant base let's put it that way i mean who wants a chinese navy right next to uh you know the strait of hormuz that's what you're going to get well uh you're not just going to get that you're going to get all that shipping that they have to now go from shanghai all the way around everything up and before they can get into that that area go you know suez canal everything else they're they're not going to have to do that they can ship it over land now and it's going to open up that whole portion of China to opportunities. But not only that, it's going to open up the whole portions of, well, let's see, what? Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, 
Kyrgyzstan, all those countries that could never get their resources to the water because that's what you got to do to move stuff to the rest of the world. You got to get it to the water. Now it can. Now it can. Now, this all sounds really wonderful. If you're in any one of these countries, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, et cetera, you want to sell your lithium or your cobalt or whatever the hell it is that they're pulling out of the ground up there. This is really great. But, you know, we went to war in Afghanistan so that this wouldn't happen. We spent all that money and all those lives and all those years in there making sure that those countries stayed poor and could never see this happen. And now it's happening. Now it has happened. Now, the only thing that hasn't allowed it to happen completely and to benefit all the countries in the area, not just Pakistan, but India also, is that the rebels, the Baluchistan rebels, have been attacking Chinese workers. They've been attacking anything that comes down that road. In fact, that road that they built one of the major cities before it hits the coast is that, uh, what is it? Panjgur, P-A-N-J-G-U-R. Well, you know what? It hit a house, a single house. Same thing as in those other places. And it took out some rich, wealthy person over there. But, you know, why that guy? Because that guy was the one that controlled the rebels that were attacking the Chinese, that were attacking the Iranians, that were attacking the Pakistanis. So, wow. But you know what else it was? It was CIA people. Every single one of these targets has CIA and Mossad agents on site in those buildings. You know, here's the thing about the Westerners, the so-called West. You know, it's easy for the Russians to find these guys because it's like, for instance, if you go into a city in Odessa and you want to find where all the mercenaries are, you just go to the best hotel. That's where they're going to be. The nicest nightclubs, bars, that's where they're going to be. Not in some bivouac out somewhere in the field by the front lines. No, no, they're going to have suites and, you know, they're going to have home bases in the nicest place in town. So it's not hard to find these people. And just like in these remote locations like, you know, Panjgur or uh, Erbil or Idlib, they just look for the richest person in town, and that's where they're going to be. So I'll tell you, people get really pissed. You know, this I'm not, I'm not kidding. This is stuff that's happening behind the scenes that you don't see. The other day, 200-something, maybe it was less, I don't know exact number, could have been even, I don't know, 40, but a large, significant number of French mercenaries were killed in Ukraine. You know, because like I said, they're targeting these guys. Whatever little chateau they were staying at was destroyed. Well, Macron, of course, he's being replaced. He's super pissed off. He's saying, we're going to send all these missiles and all this crap. You know what? It doesn't matter because, you know, Putin pulled the gloves off. This Come this coming spring here, Ukraine's going to be lucky if it survives. Seriously. Anyway. All right. So let me get back to this uh, business over here in Pakistan and Iran. Now, Pakistan, of course, is a nuclear power. 
Iran should be nuclear power. And if, even if they were, they couldn't say it because, you know, the United States would go, oh, we got to bomb you, got to bomb you. You know, Trust me, they're still trying to do this. But, for, but the thing is also is that this highway will allow Iran to basically ship goods to this port. And from that port, they could go anywhere in the world and get past any obstruction, any embargo, whatever. They could somebody could stamp Pakistan on it and suddenly it's Pakistani oil. It's Pakistani munitions. It's Pakistani whatever. Same thing applies to Oman. Any one of these or Qatar, any of these countries that are being isolated now have an opportunity to just go right down the road and sell their goods. Now, even though India is bitching about it, they're still going to benefit. Economically, they can't help but benefit. But one of the things that India is kind of pissed off about is Kashmir, which we have to talk about. But I will point out that the Hindus, of course, in India are extremely anti-Muslim. And, of course, Pakistan is a Muslim country, but it does have its Sunni and, uh, yeah, the other guys, divisions. Now, here's the thing about this highway, though. I'll tell you something. This this highway that China built is really an incredible thing. You know, it goes through some incredible mountainous territory, and it's uh, it's quite a feat. I'm sure they spent a lot of money doing it. And I'm sure they plan on enhancing it quite a bit in the future. I I wouldn't exactly. I don't. I thought there was a railroad that went with this, but no. Right now, it looks like it's just a highway. I would expect that they would probably set up a pipeline to go with it eventually but right now like i said it's just a road it looked to me like in some of the more treacherous mountainous areas uh when they come out of uh, Kashmir and go into china that there was actually a potentially a landslide which caused a uh, area of a valley type area to be flooded uh, <laughs> so yeah you look at the map right now you might notice that the road actually appears to go underwater in one area right right when it comes up to the border of, of uh, china but what I really wanted to kind of discuss, though, is is Kashmir a little bit. And that's because, well, first of all, who controls Kashmir? People think it's it's India. Kashmir is part of India. Well, the people of Kashmir probably would not agree with that. Okay? And, but if you look at the territory of Kashmir, and even if you were to say that it was, you know, Indian-controlled territory... There's large portions of it that are occupied by China, and there's even larger portions of it that are occupied by Pakistan. Now, one of the things that Pakistan did is they actually ceded a portion of the territory that they controlled, a portion of the territory that borders China, to China. Why would they do that? This probably had something to do with China building that nice road Right from that big city in China. What's the name of that city? Let me look at it. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway. Oh, here we go. Xinjiang. It, it goes to Kashgar. Kashgar is it's the pretty biggest. It's Kashgar Prefecture. It's the biggest, well, metropolitan area in western China. And this is where the road goes. It basically goes from here to the, to the west or southwest up into the mountains. Hairy, hairy mountains. Okay, Harry Mountains. It'd probably be an incredible drive if you go Google Earth. You can just go the whole route of this thing on Google Earth. It's pretty amazing. But either way, 
The West can't stand this. The CIA can't do anything about this. This is a major win, not just for China, but for Pakistan and for Iran. So the point is, you know, Kashmir aside, that contested area, I don't see Pakistan giving this area up. I don't see China giving up the area. And if anything, like I said, the people of Kashmir probably don't want any of these entities in their area, just like the people of Xinjiang don't want any of the, any of the Chinese in their area. That's just the way it is. But once again, CIA slash NSA slash Mossad doesn't like it. So when Iran attacks homes, civilian homes in other countries, why are they doing that? Because Syria can't do it. Because the media would say, oh, Syria is killing civilians in their own territory. They're bombing non-military targets. Same thing in, in Iraq. Oh, the Iraqis, they're bombing the home of this poor rich guy, non-military targets. So what happens? Pakistan and Iran make an agreement. They say, hey, we'll, we'll bomb the enemy on, on your side of the border so you won't take any flack and you bomb the enemy on our side of the border. And that is exactly what they did. So the two major cities on either side of the Pakistani-Iranian border in the so-called territory of Baluchistan. I think it was Saravan in the Iranian side and, like I said, Panjgur over there in the Pakistani side. Single residences were bombed. Precision. You know, I'll tell you something. When you look at the residence in Erbil of the home of the guy that was selling the stolen oil to Israel, you look at that bombing campaign Guess what? The only thing destroyed is the house. There were trees all the way up to the edge of the house. There was tennis courts, basketball courts, all this stuff up to the edge of that house. And the only thing destroyed was the house. You could still play tennis. You could still go out there and shoot hoops. And you could probably go out there and harvest dates. And you wouldn't have to deal with it all being completely destroyed. It was pretty precise hit. Not only was it not a random attack on large portions of the country, but it was a very precision attack on a single residence. Anyway, bottom line, these guys are pissed. These guys are reeling. They're hurt. Just like they're hurt when we caught them with their dirty mattresses under, under the tunnels, they're hurt. Just like they're hurt when we did that big Spaces event the other day where everybody got to hear the, the truth on Twitter without censorship for six and a half hours straight. That was a big deal. Just like you guys are doing with the memes and all that stuff. It's it's a big deal and it's making a big impact. Oh, you guys. All right, I wanna just say that first of all, like I said, on Twitter, things are going really good. And of course, the enemy has been helping us make it work good, to be honest with you. Seriously, oh, I gotta try to. I'm gonna while I'm talking to you, I'm gonna try to set up my music. But oh my god, it's like really, really computer. A lot of people have pointed out. Obviously, we're under a lot of attack. You know, my computers. Oh my god, that's a pain in the ass. Uh, where I'm not getting the exposure I should be getting, and thank God you guys are making that. Uh, you're helping that. In fact, it's funny when when uh, Jennifer, you're saying, Jessica, you're saying that. Uh, 
you guys are getting accused of being bots because you were so effective out there. It's it's true. You know, it looks to to the outside, to the observers, it looks like we have this army of people doing this work, or they assume that if that's not the case, I must have all sorts of money and I must have all sorts of resources and bots to do this work for me, which is obviously a joke. Oh, wow. Speaking of money. Hey, guys, all right. I don't want to end on this note, but I just got to say here real quick. Uh, I got the phone call from the dentist trying to get me to make an appointment to come in and finish my teeth. And the balance is, is let's just, I don't want to tell you what the balance is, but it's lots and lots and lots of money. And, and I got to do this really quick. And I've been dreading this moment. But yeah, I got to remind you guys that if anything that helps, anything that you can send me on the PayPal helps. And uh, uh, it's just one of those things I've got to hopefully well you know it'll be nice to have teeth again but anyway if you can help me out please do and the paypal of course is stephen kelly 714 at yahoo.com and you have to say friend or family or i'll send it back you know because i can't pay taxes on it and uh just want to throw that out there all right so so like i said bottom line the CIA, the enemy, the people that are out there controlling the news that are telling us what to say, they don't know what to say. They just don't know. So this business, when when the media, CNN, BBC, whoever, goes out there and says that Iran and uh, Pakistan are basically publicly saying that this operation, these missile firings, was done in a cooperative fashion, they can't buy that. Because they can't accept, well, they can't admit that this is CIA. This is an enemy operation. These are people that are Mossad types that are in there trying to destroy these countries. They're trying to basically turn that area into a war zone so that this highway can never get functioning properly. So that all these countries aren't going to be able to ship goods to China and back and forth to the Arabian Sea. It's, it's all about money, obviously. So that's a big part of it. But that's just a relatively new development. The main thing that I really wanted you to basically see at this point is, A, it all has to do with CIA and the Mossad and their hidden stuff, their deceitful stuff. And B, you should be paying close attention that nobody in the Western media, nobody at all, anywhere, is saying what's really going on. And no one has mentioned Gwadar, and no one has mentioned this highway, and no one has mentioned the attacks on the Chinese workers that have been building this highway and trying to build these cities. So I'll tell you that land in Guadar is going to be very valuable someday if they can shut down this insurrection. And I'll tell you something else. This is one of the most important parts of Pakistan because it's where all the nuclear materials, the uranium comes from and a lot of other resources that the West would obviously like to have. But I'll tell you another thing is that a lot of people complain. They say that the government in Karachi, whatever it is, spends a disproportionate amount of money, a disproportionate amount of money in the eastern portion of the country and not in the area of Baluchistan. Kind of sounds like the United States, huh? Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's really what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. There's that stuff right there. And let me see what else do I want to leave you with before I go. Uh, if you are, I mean, if you're listening to this tonight for the, for the first time, 
I advise you to please join our group on Telegram because in the files and various people are working there, they're going to be able to help you get access to all the different videos and content that have been created over the time. It's been deleted everywhere if you're interested in learning more about the mission. And if you need the book, of course, you have to send me an email, not to the PayPal address, but to law17gun at AOL.com. If you want to send me any correspondence, you need to send it there. Yeah, what else? Hmm. Oh, yeah, and of course, you got to join the Telegram group, which is Occupied at Getty slash Stephen D. Kelly. Now, as I said, we've we've passed 10,000 people over here in, in Twitter, but if you can keep doing what you're doing, because like I said, that is really disrupting the enemy. It's really pissing them off, and like I said, the any time you get attacked, like like I did tonight earlier, trying to get this stuff working, oh my God, stupid. Uh, it's a good sign, okay? It means that we're doing something right, okay? All right. All right, guys. Um, I apologize if I was too brief, but I was really worried that we weren't going to get to do a show tonight because I know last week we would have had a great show, and, and tonight I know I had some important content I wanted to get out to you, so it really trips me out when something like this happens. And like I said, though, uh, economically, uh, this this is a big hit I'm going to take here real quick, so I, I do need your help, and I don't want people to go broke, but if you if you haven't done it before, please, please help me out, okay? And those new people who never listened to my show before, bear in mind, I don't do this often, but then again, I don't, I don't get teeth replaced very often either. All right, let's leave it at that. I apologize for that. Let's see, what else do I want to leave you with? Oh, yeah, I've been telling everybody to take lysine today on Twitter. And I, also, if you can buy some canned air, I think it's pretty important, that the boost oxygen, pretty important. It appears to me that this so-called X disease, whatever bullshit they want to call it, this new pandemic, it's already been sprayed on us, okay? It's already starting to fester in our lungs if you've been out and gotten exposed to this stuff. And this is why it's important to take that lysine, keep your immunity up. I also recommend you to get some echinacea and stuff that's going to take care of viruses and this kind of thing, okay? So it's really important that your lung health is, well, taken care of. But of course, oxygen is the most important thing you can have if you find yourself short of breath. And that's definitely going to be a symptom. So just be careful. Also, air cleaners in the house are very good, but watch out, okay? The more progress we make and the closer we get to shutting them down, which is where we're getting, the more they're going to try to kill us off and poison us and change the priorities, change the narrative and change our priorities subsequently, okay? All right, let's see anything else. I know I told you I was going to go longer because we started early, but or started late, but I kind of run through the thing. I can't really think what else to tell you about right now. Well, I can remind you that it's not looking too good for Ukraine. And I think that uh, in the spring, Russia is going to launch a pretty devastating offensive. And the fact that they've got this policy of trying to take out mercenaries and be, well, let's just say, crushing support centers for Western leadership. Uh, they're getting kind of ruthless with respect to that. And that would suggest to me that they're getting ready for a knockout blow, which is probably going to come here real soon. Because Putin's coming flat out and saying that the 
future statehood of a Ukraine is at stake. At stake, and I believe it. I believe that in order for them to demilitarize it completely and completely shut it down as a threat and a potential, well, a bastion of Nazism, they're going to have to complete the job pretty, pretty comprehensively. So that's going to happen pretty soon. All right. I'm going to leave you guys with that. And like I said, please help out if you can. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the ask questions, guys. No, I'm not going to do any questions right now. I look forward to seeing you guys in the group. Okay. And also on Twitter, please, please join my Twitter group. And if you want to correspond with me, I mean, if you want to like chat, the best place to do that, of course, is in the, uh, the telegram group. Okay. So you got to join that. And, but the Twitter group, that's where we reach the new people. That's where we wake people up and that's where we really have the most impact on the enemy. Okay. So get in there and work more. <laughs> All right, guys, let me see. What else do I want to say? No, that's about it. Okay. I'm just going to remind you guys once again, please, uh, I'm going to make an extra push to get you guys to help me out economically because of that thing. And, uh, tune in next week. And I, I'm going to work harder to make sure that this doesn't get screwed up like it did today. I mean, my God, it was working. I got it working, and all of a sudden it's not working again. It's like, really? Jeez. Anyway. All right. I'll see you guys real soon. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you next month. Is it next month? No, whatever. We'll see. Anyway, either way, again, my name is Stephen D. Kelly, and this is The Stephen D. Kelly Show, and we are Truth Cat Radio, www.truthcatradio. And again, thank you guys for sticking around with me so long. Let me just see how many of you are still here. Do, do, oh, a decent amount. Let me see if anybody knows. South Jordan, Utah. That's a new one. Let's see. Brooklyn, New York. How you doing? Santa Ana, California. Hey, now. Hey, now. That's a good one. Okay. <clears throat> All right, guys, once again, thank you so much. I'll see you next week, God willing, right? All right. Good night. God bless. Adios. And goodbye.